Hi, and welcome to Resurrection Church, where Dr. Joseph G. Matera is the senior pastor and presiding bishop. We are committed to serving our community and the community abroad. We pray that the word you are about to hear will be a blessing to your life and that you allow the Holy Spirit to open your heart and receive what the Lord is speaking to you. Happy New Year. How are we doing? Doing all right? I, uh, I want to welcome everyone online as well, wherever you are watching or streaming from and whatever device you're watching from. Um, we're just excited that you guys would worship with us. And if you are online, I just want to encourage you to hit the subscribe button and give us a thumbs up and then text the video to someone that you think uh, could use some encouragement this morning and, and, and stuff. And so, um, hey, it's cold. Can, can I get an amen to that? And so people are like, how are you doing? I'm like, I'm cold. I am cold. And, um, but it is, uh, the good news is the days are getting longer, right? And just a little bit more sunshine. Uh, the COVID cases are decreasing and spring is not far away, which I'm really excited about because I believe it's going to be an incredible spring season. Um, but hey, if you got your scripture, I want to invite you to turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. We have been in a series, a collection of talks uh, called Blessed and Bruised. And if you're new to Res Church, uh, what we do is we usually pick a book of the Bible and we kind of walk through it expository wise and, and just really allow the word of God to speak to us and to talk to us. And, and I really love 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and really all of 2 Corinthians because Paul is addressing so many issues that we see happening really in our, our world today. Um, you're going to see that, that in our weakness, God makes us strong. You're also going to see division in the, the church in Corinth and how Paul addresses division in the church in Corinth. You're going to see um, some cultural tension as well. And then something else is, is generosity, is, is he deals with generosity. And so it's an incredible book. And I know for me, it's been very convicting just studying and reading through it. And, and I, I'm really excited about today's message. Um, man, just we'll get there. I'm just excited. I'm excited about it. So look, I, I've got a lot to cover and I've got uh, the timer has not started yet. And so I praise God for that. So I have 29 minutes and 57 seconds. They just started it right there. And so um, you guys ready? Oh, come on. You guys ready? There we go. All right. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, uh, we're going to go through the entire chapter today, so it's going to be good. Are we beginning to commend ourselves again, or do we, as some do, uh, letters, do we need, as some do, letters of recommendation to you or from you? Verse 2, you yourself, if you're highlighting, if you're underlining, you can underline that word yourself, you yourself are our letters of recommendation written on our hearts to be known and read by all, and you should... And, and you show that you are a letter of Christ delivered by us, written not with the ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. And, and I love this right here. How many of you guys, you've applied to a job and they've asked for a letter of recommendation, or you've applied to an internship or a volunteer position, anyone, they've asked for a letter of recommendation? 
some of you guys, and then you got to go through like your Rolodex and you're just sitting there and it's like, all right, who's going to talk good about me? Well, I'm not going to pull up my former boss because I walked out on them and I'm, I'm not going to pull up my, my old professor because I failed their class three times and, and you know, definitely, oh, okay, I'm, I'll use my mom. My mom's going to talk good about me, right? And, and so, uh, or my best friend. And then I love this and being a pastor and, and you know, some of you guys, this is not because y'all have done this to me. It's like, Pastor Michael, put you as a letter of recommendation. I get that all the time, and I just feel obligated. It's like, all right, I have to, I have to say nothing but good things, right? You know, um, but it's, it's, it's one of those things. And what Paul's, Paul's addressing here is, is in his travels, in his ministry of reconciliation. He's saying, do I need a letter of recommendation, or should the disciples of Jesus Christ be the walking letter of recommendation? Let me put it this way. Maybe your translation says it like this. We are called to be walking epistles that glorify Jesus Christ in everything that we do in our life. In every area that we are, we are to glorify God, bring honor to God, and to allow what Jesus has done inside of us to radiate to those outside who may be far from Christ. I have an old friend of mine, and um, he's, he's actually a pastor now, I believe, down in Tennessee, and his name is Mike as well, and I was like, man, that's a great name. It's God's holy name, and, um, but, but he was telling me about his conversion experience, and he was a plant manager um, at, I, I guess, like an oil refinery, and um, whenever he was a plant manager, he would go into staff meetings and he'd be around all these guys and, and the, the talk that would come out of their mouth, the filth that would come out of their mouth, them getting into political arguments. Um, and then finally, someone, his wife's friend, invited him to church. And so he's like, yeah, I'll go to church. And so he goes, he goes to this church and he shows up there and it's, it's one of those revival meetings, you know, um, and he shows up there and he's like, well, th- they got flags. That's a little weird. And, and there's somebody else over here. And what, what, what's that thing that they're blowing that looks like a horn, a ram's horn or something? I, you know, and, you know, the person leans over, it's a shofar. And it's like, oh, what's a shofar, you know, um, and just, just real awkward. Long story short, God moved in that place, and he ended up embracing Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. And he said yes to Jesus. And then, which is it's, it's absolutely awesome because God's just blown his life up in a good way. Uh, but then they did, and maybe if you guys grew up in church, you'll remember this. Or if you went to, like, youth camp, you'll remember this. Then they did this. If you just accepted Jesus Christ, we want to usher you all into the back room over here so that we can talk with you for 45. Anyone ever experienced that? Anyone? And then it's like, I accepted Christ. Who are these people? I don't want to talk to you, you know? So he's, he's like, all right, I'm going to go. And so he gets ushered into the back room, and they've got the pastor and the elders there. And as he goes there, you know, the pastor's like, hey, I just want to welcome everyone. So glad you guys said yes to Jesus today. We're so excited. Let me introduce you to our elders, the leadership of the church. And the pastor turned and started introducing the elders, and he realized that two of the elders in the church were two of his employees at the plant that he worked at. And so he's like, all right, I'm just going to play it cool, all right, and, you know, gets done. So he continues to grow in his faith. He continues to read the Word of God. 
And the more he read the word of God, the more he realized the life of his elders in this church did not match up the life that Christ called them to. And so finally he went up to them at work and he's like, hey, hey guys, um, after staff meeting, it's like everyone's leaving. He's like, let me just have a real conversation with you. I'm reading this and I see what it says to be an elder according to the apostle Paul. But I hear you cussing and talking bad about people in our staff meetings. And on top of that, I've been the plant manager here for 10 years, and not one time have you mentioned the name of Jesus Christ around me. How, How is it that if this is eternal salvation, this is the best news of all, this is the freedom that God wants everyone to walk in, how come you could not be an example of what it is that Christ has called you to be. And this is what the Apostle Paul is saying to the church in Corinth. We are all called to be an example, to be walking by the Spirit and to allow the Spirit of God to write His love letter on our hearts and then from there to go out and to tell everyone about it. Now what I love about the elders here at Res Church is they are not like the elders at that other church. They are genuine and they love Jesus and they talk about Jesus all the time. And I mean that for real. Um, And so give it up for the elders of this house. Like... But not everyone is going to read a Bible, but everyone that is going to be around you is going to end up reading you. Not everyone's going to end up cracking open this thing, but they're going to be around you in how you talk. They're going to see, okay, well, this person's positive or this person's negative. They're going to see uh, the things that you end up engaging in. They're going to see the activities that you are doing. And we as followers and disciples of Jesus Christ are called to walk in accordance with the Holy Spirit, sharing the grace, the love, and the truth of Jesus Christ. And this includes whenever you're on the subway or you're driving down the interstate. Like, just saying, some of y'all were telling someone that they were number one on the way to church today, all right? And I'm not talking about a holy number one. Come on, let's, let's allow what God has done inside of us to come out and bubble out of us into other people and to be able to say, hey, um, let, let, me, let me tell you about Jesus, not by using words, but by demonstrating his power alive in my life. Amen. So he continues on and Verses 4 through 6, is, and, and this is where I love, love because he's going to start comparing the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. And so if you're, if you're new to church, you're not a believer today, number one, I love Jesus, and I'm probably going to yell a whole lot. No, I'm not yelling at you. I'm yelling with you. Or even though you're not yelling, I'm yelling with you. But a lot of times you open up the Bible and, and you start reading, and it's like love and grace, and this sounds amazing. And then you go to the Old Testament, and it's like there's death and destruction and this woman gets her face ripped off by a dog, that's in there. You should read it. Like, I'm telling you, it's, it's pretty crazy. Um, and so it's like, I don't understand this God. And, and, and so what he does is, is Paul starts to unpack the old covenant and the new covenant. And what the old covenant is, is what people had to do to become righteous before Jesus came. And the new covenant is what Jesus did so that we can become the righteousness of God. And, and so he says this in verse 4. Such is the confidence that we have through Christ towards God. 
Not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything is coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God who has made us sufficient to be ministers of a new covenant. Not of the letter of the, um, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Now, I, I mean, there's so much in that, and so I'm going to try to unpack that for, for just a moment. But um, Christianity is not a bunch of rules that we are doing trying to get into heaven. And that is the biggest misconception that is out there. It is, it is not you, you and coming to church and watching online and participating is not you checking off a box of to-do list in order for you to have this righteousness that, that comes from God. And, and for so long, that's what the Old Testament or the Old Covenant was about, is it was about people trying to do X, Y, and Z to be able to obtain some kind of moralistic standard that, that maybe they'll just end up getting in to the pearly white gates. And, and, and what Paul is saying, this is, this is not that. Christianity, the new covenant, is Christ did everything for you because you couldn't. And because he did everything for you, it should cause you to have this love and relationship with Jesus Christ. It is not a dead religion, but it is a very alive relationship. And God is breathing and speaking and wanting to minister to all of our hearts. And on top of that, in church, get ready for this. It isn't, oh, now I'm a Christian. Yay. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. No, you're a Christian and a minister of the new covenant. I'm not a minister. I don't have a degree. It's okay. Are you a follower of Jesus? Well, yeah. Okay, congratulations. You have been anointed. You are now a minister. I mean this for real. Sometimes we think that the pastor's got to do it or the bishop's got to do it or the cardinal's got to do it or, or the prophet's got to do it and all these people that, you know, like, hey, I, I, I need prayer for stuff. And so we go to those people and, and it's good to be able to do that. But the same power that's alive in me is the same power that could be alive in you. The same power that ended up ministering to Moses on Mount Sinai is the same power that is alive inside of us. And that power is available, readily available for us to be. And here's, here's what's important to understand. That power doesn't come for us to hold it. That power comes for us to give it away as ministers of the gospel. Amen. As ministers of the gospel. Somebody just, just say this. How many people have you talked to about Jesus this week? Don't answer. Don't answer. How, ma- how many people have you prayed for besides yourself this week? How many conversations have you engaged with this week? In very practical right here, if you see someone, you run into someone, and they just moved here, or they're going through a hard time, or work is failing them, man, that is an incredible opportunity for you to say, hey, let me invite you to church. Let me take you out for coffee. Let me, let me have dinner with you and just pray with you. There are opportunities around that God has placed around all of us for us to be able to do this. And, and then this is something else that I want to say. Um, and this is kind of something that God's really been dealing with me about, just transparency, right? Whenever we embrace Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, there is a new identity that is given to us. We're going to learn about this in 2 Corinthians 5 in just a few weeks. There is a new identity the old is gone, the new has come, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. 
That new identity is how we should operate our relationship with Christ and our relationship with other people. Let me give you an example. I don't wake up and make sure that the house is taken care of and the coffee is made and, and the kids' food is all ready in order to get my wife's approval. I already have my wife's approval. I put a ring on it and she said yes and we got married and we got two kids because of it. However, I do that because I love her and I want to serve her. Whenever we first got married... I, I, mean, I don't know about you bachelor guys, but like, you know, I'm living with two other guys in bachelor house and like you come home and it's, it's snowing outside. You just rip off the clothes. You put on the sweatpants. You get out of the shower, the dirty towels. You just leave everywhere. You don't do that whenever you get married. You don't. I, I'm, I'm seriously like, like my wife, you know, we got, we had our honeymoon and it was, you know, Ooh, it was great and everything. And we come back and stuff. And like two weeks in, she's, she's like, Hey, we need to talk. And I'm like, what do you, what do you mean? She's like, look, I know we're, we're like, this is new for us. You know, we're, we're married now. We're living together. Um, but, uh, pick up your dirty clothes, pick up your dirt. And I'm just like, baby, I, uh, she's like, I am not your maid. I am not your maid, and I am not your mama. You are a grown man. Pick up your dirty clothes. And I'm like, yes, yes, baby. But here's the thing. I don't leave my dirty, or I don't pick up my clothes just to get her approval. I pick up my clothes because I love her, and I want my relationship with her to be strong. And how many of you guys know that that in, in relationships, usually people argue it's, it's around one thing. PMS, power, money, and sex. I kid you not. And so in relationships, that's usually what couples end up having disagreements is about. And if I would sit here and say, no, it's you're doing the laundry. No, I'm doing the laundry. What has happened? A power struggle is happening. But my relationship with her says, no, I'm going to serve you. I'm going to pick up my dirty clothes. Some of y'all looking at your spouse and you're like, you better wash those dishes tonight. In the name of Jesus, because you love me, right? You know? But, but, but let, me just, let me just say this as a Christian. Our relationship with God transforms and changes our identity. And, and I, I hope that I can convey this. Just, just bear with me. It transforms and changes our identity. And we just entered into a new year. And with the new year, everyone's got New Year's resolution. And if you don't have a resolution, that is your resolution, Right? Um, you've got goals, you've got workout goals, you've got diet goals, you've got, I'm going to read 16 books this year, I'm going to save $2,000, I'm going to invest into Bitcoin and try to get rich real quick. Um, You've got whatever goals they may be. The problem with that is if we're constantly trying in our own power to obtain those goals, we are going to fail because you can't do it. But if I look at my identity being transformed into a child of God, into a saint, holy and set apart, and then allow that to shape me, all that stuff will end up taking place. Let me give you an example. If I went and I said, my goal is to be a better husband, what does that look like? Going to bed on time, waking up early, you know, washing the dishes, date night every now and then. Like, there's these practical things. And guess what? I'm going to fail at that. But if my goal is to be a saint who is also a godly husband, and I start there, 
then everything in my decision-making will end up trickling down from that. Are you guys catching that? I I, want to be a better boss, or I want to be a better employee. Well, do you want to do that in your own strength, or do you want to do that from a place of your identity coming from Jesus Christ? Because your identity coming from Jesus Christ is going to elevate the standard, and on top of that, the power and the Spirit of God will come in there and partner with you. And the things that you could never do on your own, you're going to find out that you were starting to walk in a new power and a new anointing. And this is what the Apostle Paul says whenever he says, we are called to be living letters or epistles everywhere we go. Old covenant, new covenant. Old covenant, new identity in Jesus Christ. Continuing on in verse verse 7, he says this, now if the ministry of death carved in the letters of stone came with such glory that the Israelites could not gaze at Moses's face because of its glory, which was being brought to the end, verse 8, will not the ministry of the Spirit have even more glory? For if there was glory in the ministry of condemnation, the ministry of righteousness must far exceed it in glory. And so again, he's talking old covenant, the law, the letters, you had to do all these things. New covenant, the grace and the joy and the peace of Christ. The glory that was around Moses to where people couldn't even look at Moses. The new glory should be so much greater. Verse 10, indeed in this case, what once had glory has come to have no glory at all, meaning the law, because of the glory that surpasses it, the glory of Jesus. Verse 11, for if what was being brought to an end came with glory, much more will what is permanent have glory. And and so I love this right here because he's starting to talk about the glory. There was all this glory around Moses. There was all this glory around Joshua. There was all this glory around Elisha. There was God doing all of these things. But what God wants to do now is so much bigger and so much greater because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. And whenever he came out of that grave and he destroyed sin and he destroyed death and he destroyed depression and he destroyed false identities that might be over here. And he He said, hey, I have created a new way and I did what you could not do so that you could have access to me and access to my authority and access to my power and you could behold the glory of God. I I, I want you like, and and this is, I just got to say this. God is for God's glory. He is for God's glory and he wants you to experience his glory. Verse 12. Since we have such a hope, we are very bold. Now, I just got to pause there. A hope in what? In the glory. Where's the glory come from? Jesus. Jesus is the glory. So because we have a hope in the glory of Jesus Christ, who is the hope for humanity, the hope for depression, the hope for sickness, the hope for this world, man, we become bold. We become bold. See, some of you guys are like, I, I don't like being bold. Well, maybe you need to experience more of his glory. But have you ever been to a restaurant, right? You go to a restaurant and they've got the best Thai food or, or the best uh, tacos. Come on, amen. And it's like, brother, I, I got to tell you, look, we're, we're going to go to a Tacos El Bronco. We're, some of y'all are like, we're going there after church. They have the glory and the tacos, right? You know, 
It's like, but you tell everyone, like, like I, I tell all my friends, there's two places I want to take you to in Brooklyn. One is Tacos El Broncos, and two is 48th and 8th, and I don't know what the name of the place is, Dumplings, where you can get 10 dumplings for $3, and they are heavenly. Can I get an amen? Amen. And so here I am evangelizing these places that have no eternal impact because they have impacted my stomach in a glorious way, all right? Don't tell me you've never done that. You know you have. It may be a different place. Yours may be like, I'm going to take you to, you know, Papa John's Pizza, you know, because they're... But we are evangelizing. I'm being bold about the dishes that I like and the food that I want in my stomach. How much more bold should we be about what Jesus has done and transformed us with inside? Like, how much more bold? So this is why the Apostle Paul is like, be bold. Be bold. Why are we being bold? Because of our hope is not resting upon us and what we could do. Our hope is resting on the glory of God and what God has done. Our hope is that Jesus wants to transform Brooklyn, New York. Our hope is that Jesus wants to bring healing to people. Our hope is that Jesus wants to bring the prodigals home. Our hope is that Jesus wants to completely transform every aspect of creation out there. And so, yeah, I'm a little crazy right now. And I know you might not understand why this white dude is up here yelling, but I love Jesus. And I got to tell you, Jesus transformed me. And if he can transform me, he can also transform you. And your friend and your aunt and your uncle and the person that you don't talk to anymore. God wants to redeem people. And because of this, this is why we're bold for his glory, for his kingdom, for his power. And and let me just, let me just say this. This is why we do what we do. This is why we do what we do. This is why we wake up whenever it's 10 degrees outside and we get here and we pray in the back and the worship team's here early and they're practicing and the production team is there. And so everyone who's at home right now could experience the presence of God coming through their device so that we can come into a place and we can gather as the people of God. This is why people like Troy and Caesar are back there and they're welcoming people so that people who are far from God can enter into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. Like this is why what we do, not for us, but for the glory of God and so that he would be magnified and lifted up and his name would be made famous. And so let me just say this. I want to thank every person who serves at this church. Because of your faithfulness, people are meeting Jesus. And so can we just give it up for everyone who serves in this church? And I mean this for real. This is why we do what we do. And then verse 13, he, he says, for, well, let me back up at verse 12. Since we have such a hope, a hope in Jesus, a hope in the glory, we are very bold. Not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face so that the Israelites might, I lost my place, sorry, might not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to the end, verse 14, but their minds were hardened. For to this day, when they read the old covenant, the same veil remains unlifted. Because only through Christ it is taken away. Yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, in referencing the law of Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. I I want you to think about that. Because some of you guys, you thought Christianity was not listening to the 
secular music or you can't watch rated R movies or you have to wear a certain way. I was talking to another pastor yesterday and he said that he literally saw someone in their church rebuking someone for wearing a hat in church because, you know, if you wear a hat in church, that's, you know, you can't go to heaven. This is what the Jewish people did. They said, you've got to follow the law of Moses. You've got to be circumcised. You've got to go to the temple. You've got to do all of this religious thing. And what happened is it became a letter of the law on their hearts that condemns people. And in that happening, the veil was put over their eyes and they could never look upon the purpose of the law being the grace of Jesus Christ. And some of us, we've taken what was once in Egypt And we thought we were going to the promised land, but we've created our own Christianese religion and we've gone back into bondage in Egypt. And we don't even realize it. And so what I love, and we sang about this earlier and y'all were clapping and Ruber was jumping. I don't know if I've ever seen him jump and that was really cool. Um, You know, uh, but like we were singing this song about You led me out of my Egypt, and this was not planned. He had no idea that this is what I was going to be preaching on today. You led me out of my Egypt. You parted the Red Seas. You brought me to my, I don't know the song. Go Google it, right? Um, But like all of that happening, all of us have our own place of Egypt. And all of us have our own promised land. And all of us need our own Joshua. Because Joshua was the one who led them from the wilderness into the promised land. And you know what Joshua means? Jesus. Jesus. And the cool thing about it is Jesus already did it. He already did it. He already parted the seas for you. He already led you across the Jordan River and from what was into what will be the promised land. And this is what I know about the promised land that Jesus is leading us into. Verse 16. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Well, Michael, what's, what's this veil, this, this idea that, that you have to do it? This idea of these are all the rules that I've got to follow. This idea of, of these are the regulations and, and I've got to do my penance and I've got to say my Hail Marys and I've got to have all this, this, this stuff that I don't even know what it means. I'm just doing it to do it because this is what I was taught. My mom would, you know, beat me if I didn't and that didn't happen to you, that happened to me, right? Like, um, like that veil, that veil that was keeping people from, this is what that veil kept people from. The veil was removed. Now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is what? Are y'all getting it today? Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is see some of y'all think where the spirit of the lord is there's rules and look there are commandments that we are to follow we'll talk about that in the upcoming weeks i'm just old covenant new covenant just in that context where the spirit of the lord is there are 17 hell marys where the spirit of the lord is there is condemnation I love that. I don't want to go to church because if I go into church, the place is going to burn down and the walls are going to end up caving in. Hear that all the time. I'm like, great thing is the building's made out of cement. Right? We have taken this idea of freedom 
and we have boiled it down to our own legalistic or moralistic standard and replaced it with the gospel and the good news of Jesus Christ. That is for us to behold the glory and the grace and the peace and the love of God. And so the old covenant says you can't do it. The new covenant says Jesus did it. The old covenant says you're not worthy. The new covenant says Jesus made you worthy. The old covenant says you're going to keep dealing with that pornography addiction. The new covenant says walk into my freedom. The old covenant says you're going to battle with depression and issues like that. The new covenant says by his stripes I am healed. And so church, this is the new covenant that God is inviting us to. And this is why we get a little excited because I'm free. I'm free from guilt and shame. I'm free from condemnation. I'm free from the identity that the world has placed on me. I'm free to be a child of God and a saint of God and to walk in everything that God has called me. And you know what's crazy? The same power that spoke to Moses on that mountain is living and breathing inside of me. And yes, I'm I am free because of Jesus. Now here's the danger. The moment you make Christianity about yourself is the moment you're back in bondage. Because this thing ain't about you. I mean, it may be for you, but the universe does not revolve around you. The moment you shift from the world being about Jesus and his glory to the world being about you and your time and your schedule and your calendar is the moment that you've taken this right here and you've put chains back on you. I, could you just imagine what it would look like for a year if the church would really step into their identity that God has given them. They would walk into the freedom and they would bring the glory of God and usher in the glory of God everywhere that they went. Could you imagine that scripture, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness of it in his glory? Could you just imagine the glory of God covering the waters and the sea because of his church? Could you just imagine that? What You know what it would do? It would change the conversation that you have with your barista whenever you leave church today. It would change the conversation you have with the person sitting next to you on the subway who's freaking out. It would change the conversation you had with the person who had rejected you. It would change the conversation that you have because it's not about you. It's not, Rush Church, it's not about you. Michael, I don't like that. That's why I go to church. Well, then you're going to church for the wrong reasons. It's about his kingdom. It's about his glory. And this is why we serve. And this is why we give. And this is why we pray. And this is why we encourage you to invite your friends to church. This is why, because it's much bigger than your finite world. We are stepping into a love story that God has been breathing for all of creation. And he has invited us into to be ministers of the gospel, ministers of reconciliation, while he redeems the world back to himself. He's the main character. And, 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 and then I love this. And I'm going to wrap up and I've got three sub points and I'm out of time, but I have the microphone. So, and we all, and we all with unveiled face 
beholding the glory of the Lord, catch this, are being transformed into the same image. Into what image? Into the image of God from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. One degree of glory to another. Meaning there's different degrees of glory and I don't understand that. I'm not a theologian. Bishop Joe, he'll be back next week and he can talk about that. One degree of glory to another. One de- that, that, means, that means I've got, I've got three, three kind of points. That means that we are constantly being sanctified to look more and more and more like who we actually are. Well, what do you mean? Well, we're a new identity in Christ and we are the righteousness of God And so this is who we are. A lot of us just haven't gotten from where we were to who we actually are. A lot of us are like, oh, going back and forth, going back and forth. And and God's like, no, I'm I'm wanting you to see yourself for who you actually are, even though you're not actually where you should be. And it's gonna happen, and this is the big theological word, progressive sanctification. That means God's gonna take that little addiction that you have, and he's gonna walk you through freedom of that. God's going to take the rejection that you experienced from your mother and walk you through freedom with that. And as that happens, one degree of glory moves to another degree of glory, moves to another degree of glory. We're being transformed. And and sometimes you may be sitting here, you may be saying, Michael, I, I don't feel like I'm being transformed. I would challenge you to look back to where you were a year ago. Look back. Maybe different habits that you have have fallen off. Maybe there's been addictions that you thought you would never overcome that God's broken off of you. But then also look forward to what God is going to do in the next year. And allow him and his spirit to move in you and to transform you and to change you. Few few quick things I've, I've just got. Number one is this is not a roadmap to life. What? Hear me out. If the scripture and the word of God is simply just a roadmap for you to have a happy life, you're, gonna, you're not going to find it. There are maps in here. You know, you could pull it up, go to the back and see Israel and Paul's missionary journey and stuff like that. And it's pretty cool. My son Judah, he absolutely loves the maps in there. And, but if you just treat the word of God like a roadmap to life. What about whenever you're, you know, you've, I found Christy. I, di- I didn't go in here and start saying, where is Christy in the Bible? So, well, if I use the Omega Code, y'all remember that movie like 10 years ago, 15 years? And I start, I take every third letter from every third verse of every third chapter, I might find the word Christy. No, what this is, is this is the living word of God. And the living word of God, according to scripture, is to rebuke you, meaning to call you higher, to correct you, to transform you, to speak to you, to not change what you do, but to change who you become. So that your life could bring and give glory to God. Now, are there things and principles in here that we can take and apply? Absolutely, and we most definitely should. 
But if that is the sole purpose of you reading the God and you reading the Bible is to just have a better life and not get God, then you are missing it. Because my purpose of reading this is I don't want to just have a better life. I want to get the glory of God in my life. I want my relationship with God to grow. I want my relationship with him to be transformed. And that is what we are invited into. The other thing that I would say, and I just want to say this, every situation, every trial, and this is why I love 2 Corinthians, that we walk through in our life, God allows to happen so that he could sanctify us through the process. So the, the hardship that you might be experiencing work, your, 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 pro, your prayer should be, God, how can I give you glory? How can I give you glory? How can I worship you? The sickness that maybe you're dealing with right now, all right, God, I'm going to pray and believe for my healing because that's what your word says, but how can I bring you glory through this process right now? The, the, the struggles that maybe you're having, the, the tension at home, Father, I need you to move in my family, but how can I, as a saint and a child of God, bring you glory right now in this situation? And during those times, it is the hardest times in your life that God will end up doing the greatest work in your life because he's got your attention and he's allowing you to be broken so that you could be made into a beautiful jar of clay. That's next week. So that you can bring glory to God so that you can give him glory and praise and everything else. And then the, the last thing, the last thing I want to say, I'm wrapping up, if we can just stand to our feet right now. The last thing that I want to say, one degree of glory to another, one degree of glory, we need to behold the glory of God. There is nothing that will satisfy you. There is nothing, and I'm going to go after some stuff, and I'm just feeling led by the Spirit of God. There is nothing that will satisfy you except for Jesus. There is, so you're chasing that 401k? What's going to happen whenever the stock market crashes? Because it will crash at some point. What about that pornography addiction that you keep battling with, you keep going back to and going back to and going back to? You think that it's going to satisfy you? Yeah, it may make you happy for five or ten minutes, but it's not going to satisfy you. What about that relationship that you think, if I just date her and marry her, I'm going to be happy and giddy inside and bells and whistles and roses and, and everything's going to be, man, she's going to let you down. She's not going to satisfy you. What if I just get this job? If I find this job and I've got this job, the perfect, my dream job, hallelujah, praise God, thank you for my dream job. What's going to happen whenever they lay you off or they furlough you because of the next economic crisis? There is nothing, no substance, no addiction, no thing that you look at, no relationship that you have that will ever touch the glory of God and the satisfaction that it is to behold his glory, to encounter his glory, and to experience his glory. And you trying to do it your own way, you're just going to keep failing. Man, church, let's surrender, as Pastor Joyce was saying this year, and say, God, here is all all of me right now. I need all of you. I need to behold your glory. I need to experience your grace. I need to walk in freedom. I need to experience your love. I need to experience your mercy. I don't want to be shameful anymore. I don't want to be condemned anymore. I want to behold the glory of God and the grace of God. I wonder what would happen if we would just say yes to Jesus like that. And so here's what we're going to do. I want to I pray.
I want to pray. And if you've never said yes to Jesus, I want you to just slip up your hand, hand with every head bowed and every eye closed. If you've never said yes to Jesus, and that's you, I just want you to say yes to Jesus this morning and behold the glory of God. And then maybe you've been sitting there and you've made Christianity this religion, this stale, dead religion. And you haven't allowed the veil to be lifted off of your eyes and to walk into the freedom of Christ. If that's you and you need to say yes to Jesus again, would you just lift up your hand right where you are? And I want us to pray. If we would, if you would just repeat after me, Father God, I need you. I want you. I want to experience your glory. And I am confessing I'm a sinner. But I am saved by your grace. And I accept my new identity. I embrace you as Lord. And I ask that you make me new. In Jesus' name. If that was you and you didn't raise your hand. I want to challenge you, man. We're going to have our prayer team, our prayer partners come up in just a minute. We want to pray with you, and we want to partner with you. And please let whoever it is that you are uh, praying with, let them know that you're saying yes to Jesus. The other thing I want to do, and I just feel really strong to, to do this today, and, and then we're going to, I'll pray and I'll get off and we'll see what God does, okay? Some of us have been walking in bondage. Some of us have been walking with addictions. Some of us have been walking with shame. Some of us have accepted the report of the doctor, and we've been trying to fix it ourselves. And I believe right now God wants to break that off of you. I believe right now God wants to bring healing on you. Today's prayer point is for the miraculous. I believe that God wants to allow you to step into the freedom and the identity that he's already given you and he has called you to be. And so I want to challenge you, if you need prayer, if you're struggling, listen, there is no shame in that. I, I, am, I am the first to say, I go through periods where I'm struggling, and, and, and I was talking to, to Ted earlier about something that he pointed out to me, and I was like, you know what? What you said to me literally attacked me during the Christmas break, and I had to start like dealing with that. God wants us to be free of what the enemy would throw at us. And I believe that today the spirit of God is here and the spirit of freedom is here. And I want us to leave here not being bound up like we walked in, but to step out into the freedom that God has given us. And so I'm going to pray. We're going to sing. And man, if you need prayer, I want to, I want, please come forward. Please come forward. Actually, as I'm praying, just come forward right now if you need prayer. And so let's just lift our hands. Let's just start worshiping as I pray. Amen. We pray that you were blessed by this word. For more information about our church, please visit our website at resurrectionchurchofny.com or give us a call at 718-436-0242. And be sure to follow us on Instagram at reschurchnyc. Take care and God bless.